All right. All right. What's up, everybody? This is the New Dad, No Dad podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John Hill. I don't have a dad. I'm Matt McManus, and I have a one-and-a-half-year-old son. A 20-month 20, a 20 uh, so, uh, son at this point. And You're still doing the, the months. You know, I, <laughs> I, you know I, before I was a dad... Every, every time I heard someone say that, like, how, what month their child was, I was like, can't you just round up or down? <laughs> can't you just say they're either, like, a year and a half old or two, almost two years old or two years old? Here's the thing. If you go beyond two years, mm-hmm. like, if, you, if you're, like, 28 months, he's 28 months old, you should be getting kicked in the, in the butt for that. Yeah. 28 months sounds like... Yeah, he's two. <laughs> well, also by the time you have three, um, then you start rounding. Oh, you know, okay. It's it's a new parent thing. It's not like you don't keep going like, oh, you know, I have a a nine year old and a five year old and a three month old. Like people don't do that. They're just like and a baby, you know, right? Or and the other one. Yeah. So you I'm Kevin need- Hickerson, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this what we're on Kevin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got. Uh, um, we have uh, KPH in the house today. Hello. Kevin Hello. Peter Hickerson. Mm-hmm. How's it uh, going, buddy? Yeah. Good. Thanks good. for having me. Oh, thanks, yeah. for thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Speaking of age, uh, happy birthday, Matt. Thank you, sir. All yeah. right. Happy yeah. birthday. Matt's birthday was yesterday. Yeah, I turned 35 yesterday. Yeah, we had a little uh, little surprise party at the bar for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, uh, my lady just put a blindfold on me. I honestly was... T- uh, birthdays are odd to me i've never liked getting older no one likes getting older um but anyway, you know i don't mind it that much i even. used to when i was 35 i hated it and now that i'm getting close to 40 i actually really like it i think for men in particular it's easier to get older i i i, I agree you know i mean easy like uh, harrison ford or something nobody goes like oh it's so sad he turned out like that you know nobody mm-hmm. does that he's yeah, still yeah. just amazing yeah you know, he, he crashed was... a plane like last year <laughs> and lived <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm kind of the same way there was a point in my life where i realized like uh it, it was I'm well, i was 29 and i remember i turned 29 everyone said oh dude are you worried you're gonna turn 30 next year you're gonna turn 30 that's like gonna and, and it hit me and i was like dude if I'm lucky to make it to 30, like, that's a good thing. That means I had a, another year, like, you know. So, yeah, that's one way to look at it. But, but yeah, so they, she, they, she threw me a surprise party with all of my friends at this beer garden in, um, in Mid-City. And I didn't expect it at all. I was genuinely surprised. And if you bring 10 people with you to a birthday shindig at this place, they fill a boot up with beer, like the like thing, a literal boot. Like no, it's like, a huge glass boot. Huge. It was. Like, it yeah. was. It's It's what? It was sixty two, ounces. It was four liters, I think. Yeah, it's. It was something crazy. And the best part is, I, the waitress says, "Okay, we're gonna get to the boot." And I just hear Matt go, uh, "Give me the beer with the most alcohol in it." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you, I, "If you're gonna do that, you also have to eat something." And I was like, "Give me the second strongest." <laughs> And she did. Yeah, and then Matt showed up at my house today in one flip flop. <laughs> well, True I was story. Woke, well. The baby woke up at uh, sunrise this morning, and it was my turn to wake up with him. He just wakes up at sunrise, but 
And from the from the second that he woke up, it was mayhem at my house because my mother in law stayed over the night before. Then the the cleaning lady who comes over every other week uh, showed up at the same time. I needed to refill the laundry card so that we could do the laundry, collect all the dirty laundry while Lana was sleeping. So be quiet this whole time so that she could actually get the sleep that she needs. And. I'm running around, plus we're moving things out of the house into her new music studio, and uh, we're running around, there's people everywhere. At some point, as I was running late to get here to do pre-production for this podcast, I lost one of my flip-flops. Like, I I I parked the car down the street, we're in downtown Los Angeles, and the floor in downtown, the ground in downtown Los Angeles is the dirtiest floor in California. (laughs) So, I mean, there's just, you know, if you scrape it, you find, um, you you would find everything. You're a scientist. Someone was probably actively peeing on it while you were Yeah, like I opened opened the door and five bums were about their smelly dicks to pee on my toes. Yeah, we, (laughs) well, we, they built a park next to to our building and they're like, this is going to be a great park. It's going to be wonderful. And everyone's like, no, it's going to be like dogs peeing and pooping everywhere and crackheads. And they're like, no, 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 we got this. Sure enough, dogs peeing everywhere and crackheads. Yeah, I, I walked w- past it. It looks like a homeless shelter with a slide. Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> and that's a, that's a water <laughs> I slide. I didn't see any kids there. No, no. And the, one of the first days I just saw a homeless guy naked washing himself in the fountain just like straight up <laughs> naked sitting in this little like pool of water just watching i was like oh yeah there was a guy just now he uh, he had his shirt off and he had tattoos and he was like kind of walking back and forth between these two ladies and yelling at them but they didn't seem worried like this is just a normal thing oh yeah that's right yeah. he's cool okay, he's cool yeah yeah he's a good guy <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah, that's, awesome. that's right yeah 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 must be hot out so <laughs> it is hot out it, oh it, it is uh, very hot. Hot. and tomorrow we're supposed to be in the upper 90s Ugh. Um, but but one thing. But, anyway, I want, but, uh, oh, but so yeah. But anyway, I I walked here on all of those bums pee with one flip flop on because <laughs> at some point between this morning when we woke up and now uh, in the mayhem of my morning, uh, I lost a flip flop in the war. So <laughs> so here. But so another here a good side of downtown LA is no one's judging you for it. Right? No, like no, you're you're well in the. Yeah, that's you, a median. You had person. more shoes than like sixty percent of downtown. <laughs> yeah, they were, oh, he's got one little pop. They're like, oh, he's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. People yeah. are like, hey man, can I have that one shoe? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you might as well even it out. <laughs> and you have control over one way it goes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but what were you going to bring up? Oh, though? the one thing I wanted to bring up, I you know, I I you and Alana were out last night. And you guys seemed this was this was probably the first time I've seen you guys out and about without the baby, the baby. right? Uh, and you guys looked really, really super happy and very relaxed and free. Um, is it? Are you at the point with the baby now? Because you know he's old enough that he can have a nanny. That when you leave him, there's no stress on you or less stress. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know what? And, and even just saying it out loud is strange. Like I, I'm like I'm actualizing that. That's the, the 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 place that we're at right now, because for so long, it, well, it seemed like so long, but it was really just a year and yeah. four months. I was just running around like a chicken with his head cut off, you know, like half delirious and hallucinating because the baby wouldn't take a nap and we weren't sleeping and we were up four, five, six times a night because. He's, he was addicted to breast milk, and I used to suffer from that too. 
Yusuf, what do we From call being the... addicted to breast milk? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you have tried. Have you tried breast milk? I have tried it. Yeah, I should try. That's it. a That's thing, right? Bad. Like, if like I don't I've have heard any... a lot of dudes, yeah, try I tried it. Yeah, and uh, it's okay. Okay, <laughs> like, like in what form are you trying I mean, it to? It tastes in, like, like normal milk. It's or just sweeter. <laughs> it's it's like sweeter. Wow. Yeah. Huh. No one. No one. Actually, the way it happened is that I got really jealous because my friend. Asked my wife if he could try some. Now, this is this is not straight out of the bottle, so to speak, if you know what I mean. But she was like, "Sure," and I was. I actually got really like, I got jealous. It I'd really made jealous. me mad. And later, I told you know, I was like, you know, that's not, it's not cool that <laughs> you can do that. That's, that's my family's breast milk. And she's like, "Why? What's the big?" I'm like, "That's like personal. That yeah. you know, to me, that was it was crossly like a." That felt like a like a sexual intrusion or something. I agree. I one hundred percent agree. But she was just agree. like, "What the hell?" And then she even got mad. She was like, "We don't think of it like that at all." Because then you would feel that way with the babies there, and that's weird. And I would like, call oh, him up okay, one day and be like, point. "Do you mind if I smell your girlfriend's bra and see he, what he yeah, says?" But he probably would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's the dude. Actually, he's in the breast milk. Of course, he's gonna smell his wife's bra. Actually, he just had a baby, so I think I could. Oh, I could you're, he call him you. back. Be like, look, uh, I haven't had. Some of the milk from your <laughs> wife's tea. And your wife is putting out, so I'm so, going to need you to mail so. that over to me. She's on the East Coast. Well, no, I'll just do it next time I go see him. Vacuum, yeah, fr- vacuum freeze it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Ah, I would be more insistent to get it from the original source, though, because I don't, you know. Sure, I get it. Yeah. I'm Straight 100%. from the mountain spring, so to speak. <laughs> you don't put it in a saucer or... A saucer like a cat. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dry it up, make powder out of it, yeah. sniff it. Yeah, yeah. We're start a start a brand new craze. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to circle back. Yes, we were out last night. We were having a good time. Her, her mother just moved here from New York City, so that and moved to Pasadena, where our guest is from, where Kevin is from, where he's living with his family. He's not making that up. <laughs> true story. It's all. It's all. True story. Well, you could you could fact check this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> really it. funny. We got a team of researchers, <laughs> and she and she uh, was you know helping out. She's been helping out. Like I'm I'm going to a, a thing tomorrow morning, and Alana has to go to something, and she's coming to watch the baby. And we have complete trust in her ability to watch him, even though he's like super fast and kind of just running, bouncing yeah. off all, all, all the walls. Yeah, he's. He can walk in and out of the house now, and we don't have to worry about him hitting, like falling and hitting his head. Like he's a sturdy dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and, and I, I, I could, uh, yeah, I could see it last night. You guys seem super happy. Not that you guys don't normally seem happy, but it was. Uh, it's been it, frantic. It's been frantic, and it, and it felt like you were able to just kind of like Let be loose. with the group with friends and drink a. A Buddha a beer. Buddha beer. <laughs> and, yeah. That was, good. that was good. Yeah, and I think, like, and I've been apprehensive to go out. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I used to be a busybody. I used to be the kind of guy who would go out five nights a week mm-hmm. just to see what was going on in Los Angeles. And once the baby came, I became a homebody. And I was reluctant to do that at first. That's brutal, right? That's yeah. brutal. Yeah. You know, like, not being able to go out with friends and stuff. That's the hardest part. It, it was. And also, you're, t- you're tired. Like, come 9 p.m., you're, you're kind of ready for bed if your child wakes up at 4- 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I've been reluctant to go out. So, when we were, when she, even though she wanted to take me out last night for my birthday, I didn't know it was going to be a surprise. 
when I realized it was surprising, I'm like, okay, like I'm out. I'm being social right now. I have to like readjust like what I thought. I thought we were just going to get like some chicken somewhere. Mm-hmm. I had to. I was like, all right, I'm out right now. Yeah. And I think I, I we're in a place where we can start doing that stuff again. All right, good for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's right. a. I guess that's a that's a good marker in the sand there. There you so go. So your birthday was yesterday. Yeah. You said? October eighth. So you share your birthday with another Matt. Matt Damon. And all yeah, and Michael Jackson, I believe, and John Lennon. Oh. Oh wow. Well the reason I remember Matt Damon is because I met him two years ago and then it was on his birthday. And you know what he did for his birthday? What did you do? He no what he did for his birthday. He just went out to the improv just to go see comedy. Really? Yeah. By himself. That was his By himself. Because he's a dad too. So he was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm you know, fuck it. I'm gonna go out and go to a show. That's awesome. Matt Damon, dad, actor, activist, philanthropist, on his birthday, on his Libra birthday, <laughs> which makes him indecisive and magical. <laughs> he, sh- he goes to the improv in uh, West Hollywood to go see a show. Just puts a, a baseball cap on and... Just walks out there. Drives yep. his Maxima up to the improv. <laughs> 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 Circles around the block eight times for parking, and then it says, "Yeah, this is it." Parking's not too bad. It's there. not too bad. It's yeah. not no, too bad. Not I, too bad. I, I like. There's a lot, lot of side the, streets there. The West Hollywood clubs definitely the parking's really hard there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but the Melrose one, I love that. I used to live right there. I used to live yeah. right over there. Um, well, let's do a proper introduction. Yeah, let's do. I was about to say that. Uh, so. I put a blast out on Facebook. Not a blast. I, ma- I put a post out on Facebook that became a blast because every. I just said, does anyone know any interesting and possibly funny fathers out there for a cool new project that me and uh, Johnny are doing? And I got a lot of inquiries. And uh, one of the first ones uh, was this gentleman. He sent me a Facebook message. He said, hi, Matt. I am a father, a comedian, and a physicist. Is that interesting enough for you? (laughs) (laughs) And when I was done masturbating after reading it, I messaged him him back, and I said, you've turned me on, (laughs) and I'd like you to come in and talk to my buddy and myself about being a dad. Uh, And and also yourself. So why don't you um, go for it? All right. Thanks for having me. Um, Your story explains the dick pics you sent me. I thought that was a little strange. <laughs> now it's, yeah, it's more clear now. Uh, yeah, I'm a, a stand-up comedian. I'm a postdoc at Caltech studying nuclear physics. Uh, and I have three kids. Wow. And uh, the oldest one is uh, just turned nine. Great. And this one's three. Um, and I have another one in kindergarten. And they're like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Oh. It's really nice. Uh it's so hard at first, but it, it gets like, I think the absolute hardest was actually the first one, but then having three more, you, you kind of like, or two more, sorry, you, you start to kind of let go of a lot of the fear you're having all the mm-hmm. time. You're just like, eh, the other two are just backups, you know, for the first <laughs> one. So, oh have, my yeah, God. yeah, you're just like, eh, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. They can't yeah, all it, be. They can't all live to adulthood. Yeah, you know? if, if one of them turns out fine, you batted three. Right, right. You're, that's Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's so, Hall of Fame numbers. Right, right there. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you have the first one. You're like, oh my god. Uh, and then the second one, you're like, oh well, I you know I have to be careful. But by the third one, you're just like, eh, spare. <laughs> I see <laughs> my spare. One of our first guys, Ricky. He he just had his third child. Uh, he's a toddler now, and he just lets the kid walk around my backyard like he could like fall and hurt him. Like 
you just let him go. <laughs> and, I, and like, he's like, that's what happens. You just yeah. learn to let, let, let. Because one of the things you get, you find out really fast is if you, the only thing that ever teaches them to, to take care of themselves, to not get hurt is for them to get hurt. And yeah. so it's oh, just like, man, it's this constant controlled te- fear where you just let up just enough so that they can't actually injure themselves, but they have to be constantly on the brink. Otherwise, they'll never learn they'll to never not learn. do it. Yeah. And that's just that it's really hard mindset to get into. <laughs> and especially at the age here it is, uh, you know, when they start walking, um, they just, I, I don't know what it is about the way human beings evolved or whatever, but we have no ability to it's the opposite of no ability we have this instinct to go towards the most dangerous object and just like start bashing it into your face <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, we don't all realize it because we're all now that we're all adults we've all learned that you don't do that but it's not an instinct at all it's like yeah. an anti-instinct you know like uh, so many times uh, some of my kids um, when the dishwasher's open they would just run for they all three of them did this they would just run for the sharp knives that are sticking out and like try and grab them because they're shiny you know and and, you know at the end of the day we're just like monkeys that like shiny objects and it's only like it's only these early years of childhood that eventually make you realize at some point you cut yourself and so you're like oh shiny isn't always that great it (laughs) sounds like uh Girls I used to date when I was younger. <laughs> so I'm just going to, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're wonderful. Just bash me in the head a few times. And then, and then now I'm like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Don't, yeah, I don't, don't stab myself. I, I might want to do it again, though. So yeah, 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 I'm yeah, letting yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, uh, a great analogy because you, it's never going to be that you know, your mom is like, oh, stay away from her. She's too dangerous mm-hmm. or something. That would be the last thing that would work. Yeah. It's the same with kids. You can't just tell them that it's dangerous like they just don't believe you until Mm -hmm. they actually start doing it yeah and um in a weird way i think it's complicated because all the kids have different personalities but because we were more protective of our first one she ended up i think kind of having a little bit more natural fear of or or irrational fear sorry of things because Ah. now that she's older she hasn't pushed those boundaries as much Oh. And so she's sometimes afraid of things that she shouldn't be now. But I don't know. It's so hard to say because every kid yeah. is yeah. different. It's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And that's a, another theme that we keep realizing. And parents that come in here say that you have a child that you've created with someone else. And you try and impart yourself or your beliefs or your behavior on them to an extent. But you also want to acknowledge they need to become their own person. But most children, all children are their own person. They yeah, come out exactly. their own little individual take on life. It's like mm-hmm. pre-wired by, you know, the matrix into them. Yeah. And it's just a lot of times you're just shocked. Like, where is this coming from sometimes? Because you don't even see it as a part of, you know, the both my, of you. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I didn't realize my wife was black until we had kids. No, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> That's gonna be the quote for the episode. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> it just, yeah, but, and it's just the way she started talking when, yeah, yeah. when she started having yeah. kids. <laughs> but seriously, like there, there's these you'll see traits in your kids, and you're just like, where is this? How did that get through there? And sometimes you know that it is from you indirectly. Like you'll see something. Like, oh my God, that's so much like my aunt or that's like my mm. sister. Like my, mm-hmm. my daughter just completely reminds me of one of my little sisters. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's not even a full sister, she's a half sister. So it's like there's, you know, there's little chunks of different parts of your DNA that are coming through. Yeah. And um, 
you know, it's it definitely there's a huge nature part to it. And a lot of the nurture is just being able to not, you know, be able to handle that as a thing that you don't necessarily know about. So. What, you're married? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in regard- like after that last comment, I just, <laughs> yeah, you're not, no, 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 I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to, you're not anymore. I didn't know how to, uh, introduce your, your, your spouse or, you know, uh, cause I'm not married. So, uh, but we're together. So you never know. Uh, has, since you guys, what, since you, it sounds like at the third child, you've relaxed a little bit. Does the same go for your wife? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. She, I relax a lot more than she does, which mm-hmm. uh, comes up a lot in arguments because she's, <laughs> my relaxing might take the form of, oh, I don't know, watching TV or yeah, yeah. browsing Facebook while right. she's doing something important like paying the taxes or making <laughs> lunch for the kids, something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm just, I'll be like, you just need to relax like me. And she's like, no, <laughs> no, I can't actually <laughs> because we'll go to jail. I'm like, okay, whatever. See this, you're yeah. overreacting again. <laughs> now really my wife just generally like worries about things more than I do. I'm very like whatever. Yeah. He's wearing a, 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 a nice Hawaiian shirt. Just, yeah, this represents my personality. His hair's well. <laughs> flapping in the in the breeze. Yeah, where's that accent from? Midwest? No, I'm from Southern California. Man, okay, that sounds, yeah. sounds like yeah. a little bit like the Midwest to me. No, I grew, I grew up in. I was born in uh, New Jersey, but I grew up in Claremont, California, which is just in LA County, but yeah. um, near San Bernardino <clears throat> County. And how how old were you when you moved to California? Four. Oh, okay. So you were. And I did supposedly have like a full on hardcore New Jersey accent, which I can like barely even imitate anymore. What, what part of Jersey, like, north or south? Uh, kind of northish. Uh, so you're a Giants yeah. fan. I was four. Okay. No. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> also, my parents divorced it too, so I didn't know. I didn't follow sports until I turned into an adult. Yeah. Well, I only said that because last night we were talking. So uh, our friend Tali is from Jersey. And I was like, where? Uh, Because I'm from Philadelphia. And she's like, North. Or she said the town. She's like, Giants fans. It's not Eagles fans. I was like, oh, okay. 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 Now I know what part of your. No, I I really have like zero attachment to New Jersey. Okay. I recently went and visited. Good for you. Good for you. (laughs) I'm from Long Island. Yeah. It's it's nice that people make it out. It can move move past the dark side, of the, the dark parts of their life. I mean, I, I totally consider myself a Californian. Great. My mother and father are both from California, so they only just like were there temporarily to work. Gotcha. And then came back, so they're Californian. All my family is in California, yeah. and yeah, the New Jersey thing was just kind of a temporary. I was kind of the same situation. Way. Yeah, we lived in Simi Valley for a little while, and then I, I grew up in Philadelphia. But my parents were always, my dad was always like, nope. Moved to LA. It's the best. I wish I could live there, and I've always I always felt that. Yeah, mm. you know. Yeah, I, I love living here, and re- I guess raising a family here now. And we live in the middle of the city, but you live in Pasadena, which is very family friendly. A lot, a lot more space. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I live in Altadena, which is uh, north of Pasadena. But okay, it's about the it's about the same. Cool. Except it's in the mountain areas. Really oh, nice. nice. A lot of people move to Pasadena because the school systems are apparently very good. And I'm assuming your children are in the school systems there? Uh, it's like part of the Pasadena school district, but it's not quite. But. Okay. And your kids go to uh, public school? Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. Was there ever, ever any talk of sending them to private school? Uh, not really anything we could afford. So. Sure. <laughs> there are some really nice private schools there, though. They're, um, I think their private schools are better known than their 
public schools really. Yeah, uh, I, I went to public school, but all of my siblings went to private school, so I got a chance to see the other side of the spectrum from them. But I think I would 100% want him to go to public school. I just, I just think it's the more eclectic thing to do. Yeah, I went to public school, and I did fine academically so yeah yeah you're well, you uh, have two careers now so you're doing fine yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah let's get into the the uh the physicists part right? okay is that yeah, right sure yep. so, so only because we mostly know comedians and stuff like that it always interests me when we mm-hmm. meet real people i like to call them <laughs> like, like, yeah no it's uh it's fun doing this as a comedian also because i meet a lot of comedians who are just like like physicists like yeah what? yeah yeah and i've spent most of the last two decades with scientists so it's it's really fun because they're all just like whoa you're doing comedy now yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. The? and then <laughs> and then the comedians have the same reaction so it's just you know it's a interesting combination yeah so, um so, so growing up did you was that what when you went to first the science uh yeah i wanted to be a physicist from about the time I was five, but wow. I really got into it at seven Okay, because my dad told me, he was telling me about uh, relativity and he's like, mm-hmm. well, this guy Einstein said that you can't go faster than light and I really like science fiction. So I was like, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. There's got to be a way. And I, you know, I was like, he was like, well, you're gonna have to learn physics if you want to prove me wrong. <laughs> so, um, so your whole life is just trying to prove yeah, your dad wrong. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> and still haven't really quite figured it out. <laughs> But yeah, I have a, a PhD in physics from Caltech. I also did my undergrad there. Um, it was really nice that I didn't have to move very far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I considered going to MIT, but it was too cold. And yep. once mm-hmm. you grew up in Southern California, like, you can't go that direction. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I also a very nice school, I guess. But you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so for people who don't know, like, what what are you lecturing on, or what is, when you say you're a physicist, like, I like I don't know what that means. Well, I'm a, a research uh, postdoctoral scholar, so I mostly write computer programs. <laughs> that part's really boring and annoying, but occasionally I actually get to go into a lab. Uh, one of the experiments I used to work on was in uh, inside a mountain in Italy. Mm-hmm. That that experiment is called Core, um, and I recently I'm still collaborating on that, but um, now I'm shifting back to an experiment I worked on as a grad student, which is at Los Alamos National Laboratory, and I work with these things called ultra cold neutrons, which is a really interesting state of matter. Basically, we take the neutrons out of very heavy nuclei and we cool them down. We pull them out first with a high energy proton beam. It's like a half mile long. It's really badass. Anyway, so those things, like, uh, it's like the thing that Ghostbusters carry around, you know, okay. the proton yeah. packs, yeah. except that it's half mile long. Oh my It'd be God. nice to have one on your backpack, and that <laughs> might happen someday, but at the moment, we don't, <laughs> we don't know how to do that. Uh, so, so we blast all the neutrons out, and it's a lot like when you, uh, we do it the way when you play pool, you know how you, when you, you set up and then you, uh, and he smashed yeah, all yeah, the yeah, balls. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of like that. You can think of the nucleus as the the stack, and then just a really high energy proton comes in, and they all blast out. And a lot of them are neutrons, and so we uh, send them through kind of a very fancy refrigerator, and we chill them down to just a thousandth of a degree above absolute zero. And in this state, they act a lot like a gas. Uh, like a really unstable gas because they they decay away mm-hmm. very quickly. This because this isn't a thing you find in nature, and uh, we can guide them and we can do experiments on them when they're in this state. And 
fun stuff. Dude, that's sick. That's Man, so sick. When, we, when we started this podcast, I did yeah. not expect to hear all that. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's awesome, so man. So, like, what a, like, geez, wow, that's so heavy. So, at, th- th- throughout your, okay, so you went to college for this, you, you got your PhD in it. Um, at what point through your travels did you say to yourself, I'm a funny guy. I need to pick up a microphone and, and start doing stand-up comedy. Yeah, it was weird. I always wanted... I, I did jokes as a kid, uh-huh. and I did. I took acting classes and stuff like that. Sure. And I really wanted to do commercials, and unfortunately, I never got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I never even auditioned, because mm-hmm. my mom really didn't know how to get me into that or anything. Mm-hmm. And, and it's actually... It's kind of... It's kind of expensive to do that for your kids, and it's frustrating because I want to do that with my kids because I, I try and talk my kids into being performers and stuff. Although I want them to be scientists first, but you know, <laughs> but whatever. This family is half science, yeah, half comedy, yeah, <laughs> moving forward, yeah. Uh, so I, for a while, I kind of took some time off from that kind of stuff, but I was always interested in. in uh, in movies and Hollywood stuff and my sister and I used to make movies together and I made some in high school and then I had to in college I really couldn't do anything like that anymore because I had to focus all yeah. the time on that um, on on working but by the time I was done with my PhD I was like you know what I have like spare time now to relax on my off time because it, as a, when you have a postdoc you're really not expected to you know your nine to five job although it's really it's still kind of a 24-hour job but mm-hmm. the point is it's not it's like you're supposed to you'll have time yeah, to do those neutrons don't stop yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um so i just started i just decided one day i wanted to try doing it because I, I went to comedy shows all the time and mm-hmm. i loved it and i kept meeting all these uh, great comedians and I felt like I could just try it one time, and I did, and it started to go pretty well. Awesome. So, and, you know, I did the way most people start, you know, open mics and things like that, and then I started getting booked on little small shows, and and I keep, I'm still on that road trying to get better and better shows. Sure. I've done shows in New York and Chicago, um, Seattle here. And uh, one of the nice things about being a physicist is that I travel for my job a lot. Oh. <laughs> so if I find out I have a conference or I'm giving a talk or something, I, I then her. immediately try and find, you know, book a show at a club there. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And that's a really cool thing for your children to say that their dad is. Oh, they're so happy about it. Like, I they brag about it all the time. I would, really too. Yeah. I would say my dad's a scientist, and, he's get, and on his spare time, he gets on a stage and tells jokes to people. <laughs> And they have really good sense of humor too. I'm sure they do. Yeah, um, my my middle son in particular, he like he he thinks my jokes are funny, and I think his jokes are. Funny. Oh, really? That's great. Yeah. Can you okay. tell us one of his jokes? Yeah. Um, or something funny that well, he does. Well, okay. mm-hmm. he is. <laughs> going to sound stupid though, but he's like, uh, he had a knock knock joke where he's just like, knock knock. He's um, there. Who's yeah? Who's there? Who's there? And he goes, "It's your son." <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty, that's pretty and good. And then he bursts out laughing. That's pretty good. I like that. That's good for a five-year-old. It's pretty good. That's pretty funny. Uh, would you say that your father was a humorous guy? Yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Because I think a I get. Bit. I think my whole family was not on on my dad's side. My whole family really liked uh, humor. My grandma, uh, she died last year, but she was really funny. And 
you know, she never really cared much that I was a scientist because I don't think she understood enough about it to, mm-hmm. to know that much. But when she found out I was doing comedy, she was like so happy. That was like one of her favorite oh, really? things to find out because I, I only started in the last few years of her life, but she was just like so excited. She's like, oh my God, you're going to be on TV. Oh, Kevy, you're going to be on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and she, every time I'd ask, she's like, have you been on TV yet? And I'm like, no, not yet. Not really. But, you know, at some point. That's an interesting part of Los Angeles uh, as a performer of some kind. Whenever you go home to where you're from, everyone's like, "How come I haven't seen you on TV yet? Or why? <laughs> yeah. w- w- when? It, when are we gonna have our you know our dreams fulfilled of you being you know on Letterman or or what or what have you?" And there are like th- those are huge successes, you know. Mm-hmm. Those, but there are tiny little m- minute successes that you experience out here, like getting booked on a show, a, a comedy show, at the Improv. Or just making that one connection who might open a door for you to another comedy you know, mm-hmm. uh, place, like the comedy store. Although, although I think the thing that's kind of depressing about L.A. is how many people I know who like, yeah, it was on Letterman, and then nothing happened after that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, there's a huge buildup to, yeah. to a lot of people who are like, oh my God, once you're on TV, you made it. Or once you're in a movie. Yeah. And it's like, I know so many people who have been you know, regular characters on shows, and then once it's over... They don't feel like they made it again because, yeah. you know, you're in L.A., you're surrounded by a bunch of people who have done that also. So, you know, you don't get this. And I, I think that is feeling. that's um, I think people set these these goals and they think like when that happens, that'll mm-hmm. be it. Yeah. But it's not that you got to you just got to enjoy the process. You got to like this is what we're doing, you know. Right. And I actually go through a lot of trouble to try and make my life goals deliberately like small. linear well i wouldn't say I'd make them small but like not try and rush to certain things like yeah. allow it to happen when it happens and gotcha. stuff like that like discovering dark matter and things like yeah that. yeah exactly. if it happens like space if, out the nobel prizes yeah yeah <laughs> if it, I'm like, Actually, yeah i'm gonna figure out time travel soon there's a same there's an effect on in academia that's really similar to this thing with uh you know people making it and then not feeling like they really made it I know a lot of people who have won really big prizes. I know uh, several Nobel Prize winners. Uh, in fact, I, I interviewed one on, on our podcast, and you know, he said it's not that great, actually. Yeah. He said, you know, he said you get a lot of respect from people, and but at the same time, he said there's a lot of people who are just asking you to go to some talk or go to a, you know, a party or something, and they're just asking you because you had a Nobel Prize, and yeah. they, he they don't have any actual interest in you as a person, mm. and so I thought that was really interesting slash depressing. Yeah, that it's like yeah, even when you're a complete success, you know, by all measures, that's like considered the best a scientist can do, and it's just like that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're happy. Yeah, you know, so yeah. which brings us back to fatherhood, I think, because that's the one thing I I really non-stop it feels like a, a success that is a continuously it is f- uh, fulfilling. fulfilling yeah it's so true uh it's such a lucky feeling to to actualize because you could be in traffic you could be going from comedy from your job to a comedy club to another comedy club you could have a bad set you could have a good set you could run into someone you don't get along with etc etc but the second you see your child's face, you're like, this is the best thing ever. Like, everything else just pales in comparison. Mm-hmm. And it's such a lucky place to be, you know, for the rest. I was out here for so long waiting for the phone to ring. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I work on things and I just wait for the phone to ring to tell me that I get to the next rung on the ladder. John's been with me mm-hmm. the entire time. We've, we've been working on stuff together. And so we, sometimes we're, I'm just waiting for my, my, to get the email that says you got the part or, you know, your show is going to sell and whatnot. I was waiting for this great thing to happen. Always. And then my son was born and I perpetually have a great thing that's happening consistently. And... And not to sound cheesy, like, it's just everyone's like, that's all that really matters in life is, is right there. Mm-hmm. And it's true. But at the same time, you also want your children to understand that you fought for your goals, mm-hmm. that you can attain the things that you want to attain, that you, pu- you pushed through the BS. So how do you do that? How do you? That's the hard part. Uh, that's the part where it just gets exhausting, but you just have to keep doing it. So, um, it really helps, like, the fact that I'm doing, uh, comedy and science, it really helps that, you know, these are all things that my, my immediate family, my kids and my wife all are, are happy about. Mm-hmm. I, it, it would be a lot harder if they, you know, if they weren't excited about it. Does your wife come uh, to your shows? She used to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes. But she, I mean, she appreciates your humor. She's married. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I get a lot of my jokes from her. She writes a lot of my material. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. That's I, I, awesome. I think I tell it better, but <laughs> no, but she'll she'll come up with some idea at home, and and uh, you know, I think it's hilarious, and I turn it into a joke. She she really doesn't like going in public. I mean, she doesn't like public speaking. She's a professor yeah. too, but she oh, doesn't. Okay. Oh, okay. She used to actually be really hate public speaking, but then she got over it just enough to be able to do classes for her for her students but she still would never in a million years would she get up and try and tell jokes like that is the last thing she would want to do and that's actually it's good that there are people like that because that's what makes comedians special is that they have that fears suppressed enough Mm -hmm. like that i'm sure you know you've seen that right like a big thing that people think is amazing is i guess most people in america they find a fear of trying to be in front of a crowd to be like paralyzing so to some degree, just being able to get over that is um, part of the skill set of yeah, comedian. Yeah, and, and that's, but, um, that's absolutely true. Yeah, but she, she's still very funny, though. She writes lots of jokes, and, and sometimes I'll test jokes on her, and sometimes she'll be like, no, that's, I don't like that. <laughs> it's so, great to have know. a sounding board. I, I was a best man in a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to make it heartfelt and funny, et cetera, et cetera. And I wrote a whole bunch of stuff, and she's like, you got you to gotta take that out. That's misogynistic. There's grandmothers in the room. Like, like, <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't mention genitals. Like I was like, <laughs> and I wanted to just be honest. I was like, yeah, but me and Mark talk about our penises every day. Like, I want to say the word genitals. She's like, you just got to take that out of there. I do that with my podcast, actually. So I don't do it with my stand-up. I don't. I say whatever I want on my stand-up. I mean, I try not to be an asshole, mm-hmm. obviously. Sure. But um, and sometimes I'll ask her, "Is this like, is the, misogynistic?" Is a good example because there's so there's already so much of that in comedy. It's actually you stand out more if you can get if rid you can circumvent it, it. Yeah. Yeah. But in the case of my podcast, it's I'm I'm treading really dangerous territory because it's very specifically science and comedy. It's not just a comedy podcast. Mm-hmm. And so uh, sometimes we'll say so we, we because we're trying to get very respectable guests we we don't want to actually cause like a, 
an outrage storm or something, which are very gotcha. common nowadays. Oh, yeah. So I'll just sometimes I'll be like, oh, here's something that um, my buddy said. I'm like, <laughs> uh, guest said it was okay, but I was like, eh. and then she'll listen. I was like, no, that's eh. no, that's gross. Don't. <laughs> and I'll cut it just for that. And it's um, you know, self censorship, but it's yeah. just. You know, Why it's helpful you, that she it, she has like a much better insight into that stuff, obviously. And, and what's you, the name of your podcast? Go ahead. And uh, Surely it. you're joking, and it's uh, me, Owen Benjamin, Jimmy O Yang from Silicon Valley, and uh, and Griff Pippen. Awesome. <laughs> um, how do each of your careers affect uh, you as a parent, and, and do they do they seep into some of your philosophies? I'm not sure. I'd call comedy or career yet okay all right <laughs> well, no, no, no no we're calling it a career it's, it's more, more than a hobby we're calling it a career and i yeah. do yeah, you yeah. know i yeah. do do it professionally but i put so much time into you know promoting stuff and like doing this like trying mm-hmm. to get trying to get on videos and yeah. doing podcasts i if i quit my uh, my scientist job which i am definitely not going to do i you know i'd be I'd probably move in with you guys. <laughs> Certainly, it wouldn't be. I, I mean, I'm, another thing I'm really lucky about is that my wife makes a lot more money than me. Oh, nice. Because so I'm a poker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> There's a revolution going on out there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. yeah the revolution is how can you find guys not doing something at noon? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm starting to feel a little bit like the husband. I bet we Beverly all have great Hills penises. I, 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 bet you, I bet you that's the common denominator. I think that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all right. Our girls have small vaginas. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to edit that out. Um, not just joking. But 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 you were saying earlier, but even saying like you're trying to get your kids to perform more and things mm-hmm. like that. Is that... I think it helps because they see that I get excited about it. You know, and the, like sometimes... Like at the very beginning, they used to be sad that I'd go out on mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. night. But now because they understand more of it is, they're like... Like, Daddy, where are you going? I'm like, I have a show tonight. They're like, awesome. Oh, that's, oh, that's my daughter awesome. will be like, kill it, Daddy, or oh. kill them. Or my son will be like, kill them all. You know, it gets a little weird. But, uh, yeah, but they're really into it now. So they don't even get mad that I'm um What time sometimes. do you usually leave at night to go to? Oh, really shows? late. Like, um, you know, like most shows are at like 8 or 9 or something. Right. And they're not even supposed to be awake past 9.30, which they do anyway. But Sure. Um, but yeah, so there, I try and actually go for late shows on a weekday at least. Um, so far it hasn't been much of a problem. Uh, in, when I was in grad su- school, that was actually much harder on them because mm. I had to travel to Los Alamos for weeks on, on end mm-hmm. trying to finish up my thesis work. And that's gone away now. Although I did used to travel to Italy, but I'd only be there for like two weeks at a time. And but that's really hard on kids. And it's, it's hard on parents too. Really hard on my wife. I, yeah. I, yeah, she was really not happy about it. She's like, "Wait a minute! I make most of the money. I write all your goddamn jokes." <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, you cannot go to Italy. I have a tiny vagina. <laughs> no, uh, that wasn't on the list. <laughs> and then on top of that, you're not even around. So that I would strongly recommend to all parents out there. Like, if your job does have to travel, just consider that and like try and I, not I, do that yeah. <laughs> as much as possible <laughs> i got a job that took me on the road for two and a half weeks and it was the first time i was going to be away from the baby and the mom and i'd be lying if i said there wasn't a tiny bit of excitement at first to be like okay I, i'm gonna be on the road working like i could just focus on this shit and 
I spent about a day really kind of feeling unique about it, and then like the second day, I was like, I just miss them so much. Like I, I don't need, I don't need to to do this. You know, the the, the I've turned over into a new chapter in my life, and that chapter is a family man. And being away on that first trip really helped me realize that. You know, and that's one thing. Like my dad, uh, we moved around a lot as a kid, and then um, at one point when I we moved to Philadelphia, you know, I started school, and my brother had shifted schools four or five times, uh, and but my dad's job for IBM kept moving them, and then he finally said like, no, like I'm not moving the family, but he would work during the week in Maryland and DC, mm-hmm. and then only be home for the weekend. I've heard this about IBM. I can't believe they used to do oh, that. Yeah. Just like no, your whole family's moving. Yeah, that's so. <clears throat> Like Mad Men era thinking yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, your family will go wherever we order you to go. Uh-huh. That's yeah. so IBM. Yeah. The, yeah. That means he also had to wear a suit. Uh, no, he didn't wear a suit. Really? I thought everyone in IBM had to wear a suit. I thought it was their thing. I don't think he did. Okay. I don't. Well, well, maybe. I don't know. I didn't go to work with I don't know. No, he definitely did not wear a suit. Oh, okay. But he was just like a, an engineer programmer, so maybe. You know, he sometimes wore a suit. I think when he went to like the legit office i think oh okay yeah but it wasn't until i was older and i realized because eventually he stopped doing that and uh just he got a new job just at home and i realized like holy shit man that must have killed him inside because i knew he hated it like he just he loved our family so much but he just had to do it and it wasn't until i was older until i realized like how much of a sacrifice that was for us mm-hmm. you know and, i guess uh, i don't for me, it wasn't that. I don't feel that guilt. I mean, yeah. guilty about the leaving part because I gotta be. I mean, I'm gonna be totally honest. I mean, even though I had to go for work, I do had. I have fun when I really? travel. Yeah. I mean, I get to do things I can't normally. I can go to a bar and make friends, mm-hmm. and I don't normally get to do that. And that's actually one of the reasons why comedy is nice, is because. You kind of do go to a bar yeah. with friends. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're doing. So it's yeah. finally like a respectable way to do it that mm-hmm. my family doesn't get mad about. You know, if I were doing the exact thing, like, hey, I'm going to West Hollywood. <laughs> Period. I'm going to Uber back really drunk. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't sound very good. And, you know, my family would be upset about those. Like, hey, yeah, I'm going to West Hollywood to Uber back drunk. But I'm telling jokes on stage. So it's okay. So they're like, kill them. <laughs> right. Kill them, dad. And they're going to pay me $7. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And all of that will go to parking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, a topic that I wanted to bring up, um, because I'm seeing it kind of come up more frequently around the children that we play with and the parents of those children, and I think it's probably one of the more important things to teach early on, but I'm not exactly sure how to do it perfectly, and it's the topic of sharing. Because when, so you're at a park and your your son has a toy truck and a, another b- little boy comes up and wants to play with that truck and then your son freaks out, how do you explain to him that we can share this thing right now? When is the most appropriate time to share? What if this kid, you know, is going to take this truck and then not give it back to my son? And at some point in that interaction, there's a chance that inadvertently you might have to reprimand a stranger's child. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a really weird place. It's super to, awkward. It's yeah. a weird place to be in, but if you don't really teach these principles early on, 
I'm assuming that the you know it could lead to creating an asshole person. <laughs> so I, well, they're definitely coming from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's obviously a steady stream of assholes going into society. Yeah, because I keep meeting them. Yeah, yeah. they're all over. The no, place. that's a hard one. I mean, one of one of the hard things to deal with with your own kids is realizing that like all kids kind of are assholes, and we do to some degree learn when we can be assholes and when we can't right rather than it's it's not like kids come out super nice and then society turns them into assholes and turns other people keeps them nice it's much more just like basic human behavior is geared towards being an asshole and you just (laughs) learn the rules about when you can get away with it and when you can't and when you shouldn't even try Mm -hmm. you know you have to you know, you learn not to be a bully and things like that, mm-hmm. but definitely like you haven't gotten really into the terrible twos or the threes yet. It yeah, becomes, and I don't know what to expect. <laughs> well, this is where that's where that happens. That's where you really learn because the kids finally they're no longer vulnerable. As soon as they right now, they they just kind of cry when they're upset, mm-hmm. right? Because they can still if something's taken away from them, they have no ability to run after the person. But man, when they get older, when they get into the two or three territory. They start to learn like, oh, I can cause pain in another person or I can lie or I can say something's mine just because I want it. And that's where you have to where everyone learns all the that's the age where everyone learns the rules about that. The concept of mine or ours yeah, or not yeah. yours at all. And luckily, you know, I, I didn't have to deal with this that much just because uh, the daycare we sent our kids to is really good. Oh, great. And oh. they just they have like philosophies on it so oh, really? they, and they'd say a lot of stuff that surprised me like um uh, like a normal instinct is that when two kids are fighting over it like usually both parents would be like no we're gonna share you know right. or something like that but there they're really strict about just saying like whoever had it first they'll, they'll come up and they'll, if a kid's like trying to grab something from another mm-hmm. one like like you know johnny's not done playing with this yet maybe mm-hmm. when he's done then you can play with it you know so right. like ease them into the concept of ownership and you know stuff like that and it's so it's not all a no-brainer because i would have just thought i used to think you were supposed to do the other one just like tell your own kid to to share or something Mm -hmm. to be gracious about that but it really does reduce the conflicts a lot i think if you it's easier to go up and say yeah it's easier to in trying to get both people to to both give up is the hard one, but mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to just like come in as an authority and say, you know, this person had it first, so it's theirs. And then, you know, and then, uh, and oh, another good one that they surprise you just offer an alternative because, of course, kids always fight over the thing that is the thing of value. Yeah. Yeah. Not the but thing. But look, they the troll doll's with. over here. Right. Right. <laughs> so if you offer up something else's value, it uh, usually helps because. That's part of the asshole part is kids just go after something because of other kids playing with it. Yeah. Not because that thing is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, would, like, people are the same way. Would we fight over an iPhone 3 right now? No. No, we would never fight over that piece of shit. Mm Mm-hmm. We would fight over Mm -hmm. the iPhone 6 and we will, we, maybe we'll battle about it afterwards. I don't know. That's true. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but there's yeah there's a lot of status with kid they start, also when they're two they start to see status associated with objects and start to become like materialistic and yeah I, and that's like a as kind of leads us into a, like a side topic based on the one we just kind of had is it okay well I've I found out the hard way that I guess it's just not okay to tell someone a family member a, a sibling. 
that their child has a behavior problem. Like, I guess, <laughs> sounds like I would want to tell somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and I made I made the mistake of doing that. And I and I have three siblings, and they all have children. And there has kind of been an elephant in the room regarding one of my nieces or nephews. Mm-hmm. And in a heated moment with my twin sister, uh, I in a heated moment with one of my sisters, I kind of told her that. Hold on one second. It, it got so heated, we called the we called we the called ambulance. The, we called the ambulance. Yeah, the this really truck. matches the tension of the yeah, story. I know this is feeling good. This is like uh, I feel like I'm on cereal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we live right by a fire. <laughs> Fire just a non-stop well, because fire. it's a one one-way street getting up north uh-huh. on 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 this street fifth, so the fire station's down there, and just all night. Uh, I think that's about it. Yeah, Did you good. guys get a good view of the uh, the that huge fire that happened last year? No, but but we could smell it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that thing burned down. Fast. I was in Italy at the time, and I was like, I was seeing pictures of it because I was awake, and I guess most people slept through it because the worst of it yeah. was during the yeah. night. So I wasn't seeing anyone post about it who yeah. lived in L.A. But I, you know, during the day, I was just like, "Holy shit, that thing is like it looked like an atom bomb going yeah. off or something." It, it, it went like, up really fast, and yeah. and they're rebuilding it. Yeah, and it's almost that. rebuilt. What fire? I don't even know. What They're the fire. rebuilding it with the insurance money. With the insurance money, yeah. <laughs> uh, they built a giant building right on the where the freeways meet. Where oh, okay, the one ten yeah. and the ten, yeah. And it's all wood, and it, it was all wood frame, and it just went up like that. But yeah, okay. So you're saying? Uh, I mean, I, I I know the answer. You're not supposed to tell anyone that their child has an issue, like because then that kind of is just a faux pas socially. But if no one's telling you that your child's an asshole, how is that kid ever going to not be an asshole? Like, you know, at some point someone has to step in and be like, you can't, you can't smack your, you can't smack your cousin or you can't tell your cousin that your house is bigger than hers because your parents make more money or you like, like that. This is another place where comedy can come in. You can make it, you can tell them, you just don't say your kid's an asshole. You can just come up with a funny way of saying it <laughs> and now I can't think of one so, bad example you know that but, thing that you created but, that yeah. human what's the deal what's with the you deal raising with assholes <laughs> wait what what's the stuff? deal she's not perfect is she <laughs> you could say oh my god have you guys heard there's a study that say kids turn out just like their parents <laughs> and then just just do like an eye lock and then, and then, know, like a 10 minute eye lock like what do you my, think we can learn from this study what do you think we're learning? Yeah. <laughs> and then my sister said, she said, you know, Matt, I study behavioral science for children. That's what I went to college for. Oh. <laughs> and I said, wait, are you the asshole in this story? Yeah. Are you just a dude judging, <laughs> judging kids? Right? Is that it? Yeah. That I, yeah. Yeah. Like, you are you that in at the end? It's like, yeah, I know yeah. you're not supposed to criticize people's children. Oh, yeah. When they're experts in that field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but my other siblings <laughs> post this discussion have thanked me for for pointing that out for 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 just doing what they were too scared to do, and I I, I admitted to being aggressive in nature when doing it, but I think in hindsight, I you know, you can only be honest with your family. If I wouldn't tell a stranger that, 
Yeah, but. so uh, my sister has three kids, also all about the same age. Oh, now she has four. But, um... Uh, Always trying to one-up you, man. Yeah. <laughs> In this territory, she wins, because I don't want a fourth right now. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so we, we they live nearby. They come over and play. And, yeah, there's some of that. We have, we have parenting disagreements pretty frequently. I mean, we do things they don't approve of. and Sure. They do things we don't approve of. But it's, you know, no big deal. Yeah. The dynamics of of, a, of just a family are so is so interesting because every single family is different from another family, mm-hmm. and I think about that when couples get together. It's like this woman was raised by this woman and this man who are who were raised by a, a, a different set of people. It's like we were just raised in different little microcosms, and then we arrive at a moment where we have to men we have to melt with another person. And then create our own little family, and every family is just different from every other family. Mm-hmm. It's you're never going to find one in the same. So it's just yeah, it's an, just it, the way kids are always yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it does take a village. I it think does. I think that's that's another concept. Like you should you shouldn't be proud enough to say like I think a child should have a couple different points of authority mm-hmm. because that'll just set them up for their adulthood. This is something I think that's really going away and it bothers me so much. Like the trend when we were kids was that you could go out in public by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like a kid could leave and go explore. And this is part of the the thing I was talking about like you have to a huge part of parenting is like relaxing and let mm-hmm. your your kid be in mm-hmm. danger but there's a social society at large has decided now that like having your kid out and this really matters for kids more towards my age not um not you you're not there yet cuz no, obviously yeah, yeah, your kid's yeah, not yeah, going your kid out not be out <laughs> your kid's not going to go and like hang out with the bums in the yeah. park there but um but it it is a it's a society's like has this view that the outside world is too dangerous for mm-hmm. you know for let's say preteens or mm-hmm. teenagers mm-hmm. and it's uh, i think it's pretty horrible because one of the first things that goes is the village raising thing i mean if you don't if you're scared of even your neighbors you know yeah. that's uh that's a huge problem and we have like people are calling the police on their neighbors because their their kids are out in the front yard or something or mm-hmm. um i know uh, my my daughter goes to the park sometimes and we're we're genuinely worried that someone is going to call the police because she's at the park unattended and that this has happened places so yeah. mm-hmm. i think it's i think people are starting to get wise and it's going down a little bit because mm-hmm. like the police are not like backup parents yeah Um, no and it's like if you if you're worried about a kid at the park like just watch the kid (laughs) you're a grown you're an adult that's part of the reason parks are safe is like yeah if there's people there you know if there's an emergency someone will will take care of it and there is a uh, there is a movement like what you're speaking of like it is emerging it's called it's called we talked about it in the last uh, episode it's called it's called free-range parenting yeah just just allowing them to get to to do what they do to Mm -hmm. be a kid Right, and that that one's so big with me because the village analogy is extra special. Because I, for me, because uh, like and emotionally, because yeah. I I used to live in Africa and I literally oh. lived in a village, <laughs> and they really do do free range parenting in Africa, and it works really well. To I mean, to a point, but I mean, it, it's just considered obvious that your kids go out and play, and so you'll see huge groups of kids, and they just 
walk around playing and they're taking care of each other. And one of the things they can do when you do that, this is something that would never happen in the US, but they'll have like say a nine-year-old taking care of a one-year-old. Yeah. Mm. And you don't see that here. If you saw one-year-old unattended by an adult, people <laughs> would lose their shit here. Yeah. Especially if it was a nine-year-old holding them. But from you know, from the point of view of safety, yeah, a nine-year-old is actually able to take care of a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. Nine-year-old could even carry a one-year-old like on their back or sure. something. And that's like a common thing you see in Africa. I mean, you know, Africa's not the highest standard living country or continent in the world. So, you know, it's not, maybe we don't want to copy everything there. But, but my it's mom... Still, it's, it's, it's just, to me, it's the idea of relaxing and letting your kids go out is... Uh, and having them have a concept yeah. of a community. I yeah. mean, that's important. You know. yeah. Well, my mom um, lives in Thailand. She moved back to Thailand, and that's exactly what they do. They just family members drop their kids off, and she takes care of them. Other people take care of them. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's literally a village. She lives yeah. in a village. Yeah. And we're we're trying to do it here. I mean, actually, we're really lucky in that um, some friends of ours live very nearby. Uh, we have a lot of friends who uh, who we've known through other ways, but we just happen to all live in the same area. But it's not like we're not like. The whole way an American city is set up is that, you know, there's roads and mm-hmm. you kind of need a car to go ever. At least in California, mm-hmm. you kind of, yeah. we don't have these like big open spaces mm-hmm. between houses like they do on the East Coast. And, yeah. Um, you know, so it's like when you make a play date still, it's like this huge formal thing, you know, like you need an Evite to like, <laughs> send out to them. Like, <laughs> awesome. uh, like it's on my calendar. Be the parents, you know, like, but, they didn't ask us about this play date like a month in advance, so we might as well not do it. You know, it's yeah. Like, yeah, we haven't been right. in the books. This is last uh, minute. Yeah, um, uh, but I, I I live in a pretty unique neighborhood in the middle of the city. That's like a little cool gated community, and it's very it's very neighborly. I mean, people our next door neighbors come in and out all day long. Um, and there's like an older woman who lives in the courtyard behind our house who was kind of like a grandmother figure to my baby before his actual grandmother moved here and he's he walks in and out of all these houses and it's and it is very new york to me like and i i wanted to have him understand that mm-hmm. which is which is great and i believe you know i studied communications in in college and marshall McLuhan was the guy who coined the phrase it takes a village and i always believed that it for does. some reason i thought it was uh hillary well, clinton but maybe she just <laughs> made it popular i don't know no it's been you know, back when al gore was inventing the internet yeah, i yeah. thought hillary clinton was <laughs> inventing the concept of a village <laughs> actually she was that's awesome. Have you guys heard of these things? <laughs> well, we're coming up to the hour mark, so uh, there's a couple questions we like to ask every guest to kind of wrap up the show. Okay. Um, first question is: uh, Do you have any uh, piece of advice that that you've picked up that you that you think someone? Oh, I would think that one I kind of gave a lot of advice yeah. already. Uh, or well, something see. you wish someone we would have one told word you. Advice. Something, something, or something. Yeah. Oh, something that someone would have told me. Damn, that's a good question. I can't believe I can't think of one off the top of my head um wish someone just uh about childbirth is messy Mm. that would have been i mean i thought i was warned but you need to be warned more on that did you Uh you watch i was there i i I, I caught him yeah oh (laughs) holy cow yeah that's oh i wish i had done that yeah it's it's very it's very messy 
Mm-hmm. And it's that's that's the truth. And you have to mentally, pre- if you want to see it, you have to mentally prepare yourself for it. Yeah. And I kind of recommend seeing it. Oh, I recommend it too. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I hate, I hate, hate all these like Metro guys that are just like, no, no way. I'm 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 gonna be like by her head. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you don't want to see this like amazing thing happen that you probably won't get a chance. Oh, to they see. made me do like half the work. Yeah. Well, my wife would object well, to yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know about half. No, <laughs> seriously, they're like I had to do all this like pushing and squeezing and stuff like that. It was really it might have been just like mental. I don't know what yeah. if I was actually doing anything, but did they didn't do that with you? No. Alright. We also had a doula help us out. So there was like, uh, okay. So she we had been meeting with her like once a week and she was like, This is how it's gonna go down, this is how it would work best. Oh okay. so but in the moment, I kind of just like strapped in, and I was like, "All right, let's do this." Like I got her in and <laughs> like out of the bath, strapped in, <laughs> in and out of the bathtub, you know, massaging her feet, you know, giving her like bullet points of like reassurance that she's the most awesome person on the planet because she's going like there. One thing that I didn't know because I'm I was too stupid to like understand it. I just thought that it hurt because their privates were getting stretched, which of course does hurt. But the real pain from childbirth comes from the head of the child having to fit through her hips. And the, and the space is very, very small. And so the hips basically almost have to like get disjointed and separate from one another to allow for the baby to come through. And you're literally re-traumatizing me right now. <laughs> I, I said it's messy, and you're just like, and here's the details. Yeah, yeah. and you also claim to do half the work. <laughs> I was like, no, you didn't. Bro. No, you didn't. I think <laughs> your hips did not pull apart like that. I think, like high school classes, there should be a glass window, and high school classes should just be bust in and watch childbirth. <laughs> Every day, and then as they're walking out, there should be like a just giant bowl of condoms, and they should just—you don't even need health class. Just That's like, it. like this we, is what I'm not—we're not painting a brighter picture than yeah. this. Just like every day, the whole maternity ward should just have high school kids going like. Holy shit. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> idea yep. for a commercial. Yep. And then they say, do you, or you can wear this condom. Right. Yeah, and if that good. doesn't, maybe that would only scare off the girls. Yeah. I don't know. So then you, have the hosp- like- then you have the hospital bill posted too, <laughs> just to scare off the guys, that's just so in case awesome. they think, oh, it's not my problem. You but know? it doesn't feel good with the condom. Well, I'll tell you what really doesn't feel good, <laughs> pushing a human out of your vagina. <laughs> oh, man. Um, another question we'd love to ask, when have your kids made you laugh the hardest? Oh my god, they do it all the time. Okay. Um, random little things. I wish I write them down more, mm-hmm. and I don't because at the time they're just so funny. Um, I think a really adorable one is uh, when my kids learn a really big new word way before they've learned any. Like the all of them, they'll when they're learning to talk. You don't, you know, they don't say anything for so long, and they just kind of blab and you know say milk or mine yeah. or whatever. But it's just so funny, like when my, uh, um, when my kids will just latch on to a word, like uh, oh, my, like my three-year-old just recently, like about a, a couple months ago, he he just came home and he'd just be like, say, Daddy, I want 
I want a spoon. And I'm like, okay, do you want a little spoon or a big spoon? And he goes, I want a humongous spoon. <laughs> and just that kind of thing. It comes out so adorable, yeah. especially when he barely can say anything else. And I'm like, <laughs> and like flail his arms, a humongous. <laughs> uh, and just the normal cute things that yeah. are really fun to a parent, but probably would bug the shit out about anybody else. Like, uh, like my, he also calls his backpack pack pack. I like that. And my daughter used to call, uh, sunscreen gunscreen. I thought that was right. Just random little things like that is just awesome. I mean, it's just constantly delightful to the point where, uh, when they get older, obviously they stop doing it. And there's a point where you actually get, uh, sad that I remember when my daughter started calling it sunscreen and I was just kind of like, oh, damn, somebody Mm. learned. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's using he says the word do for everything like for as yes, uh-huh. like because like we would we would follow it up with like, so like do you want pro- do you want the do you want this applesauce? I do, you know, and he uh. just start and he says that for everything right now. It's like, are we gonna go for a walk? Do <laughs> are, are we gonna are we gonna see grandma today? Do <laughs> and when when he stops doing that, I will get sad. Absolutely, yeah, that's yeah. like his catchphrase right now. Yeah, it's really adorable to us as parents, but mm-hmm. I'm sure like there's always this thing like, oh my god, isn't that the cutest thing in the world? As soon as it's not yours, you're like, no, it's not. He's mispronouncing. <laughs> uh, no, no, I I don't have kids. I I think that stuff's funny. Yeah, and something that not irked me, but just like put me off a little bit here and there, was when people had nicknames for their kid that just didn't make any sense. That was like obviously gibberish that came out of nowhere. And I was like, where did that come from? Like, and now I do that. I have like a, a gibberish nickname for my kid. It's, it's Foofy. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, Foofy, because like his best. And all we do is like, I, I probably will never call him. I can't believe you admitted that. Yeah, I, uh, my son's name is Foofy now, uh, and I have just, no problem doing it. That sounds to me like something like a sorority girl would name her purse puppy. It's like, okay, Foofy. Oh, I gotta go back to campus and bring Foofy. Yeah. <laughs> going out with Ben tonight. He loves Foofy. <laughs> Oh man. Um well listen, uh Kevin, thank you very much. Yeah, this has been great. This man. has been yeah. a, a Thanks for having me. A great podcast. Uh, you know, this is I don't normally get to talk about my kids that much. So that's what, nice. hey, that's what we're trying to do. Like, yeah. Well, cuz most people don't want to I mean, I, I my stand up I talk about my kids yeah. and I know that like uh, Louis CK said his stand up oh, yeah. didn't get good until right. he started talking yeah. about his kids but I still don't talk about it that much yeah you know yeah and and people don't want to hear all the parts like just saying like my kids are great is not something you always get to talk about yeah because people are like we get it you can breed you know yeah um, but so it's nice. Well, that's what I we're like trying that. to do. We're trying to be a, a celebration of dads. Awesome. And, and we just Love met it. another great dad <laughs> yeah. with three kids, also a scientist. Kevin Hickerson, guys. And I'll, again, great. plug your podcast, please. My podcast is called Surely You're Joking. We have episodes like with Andy Weir and Kip Thorne, who wrote Interstellar. Andy Weir wrote The Martian. Oh, like wow. So Sick. We're going to have we're going to keep having really good guests like that. Awesome. So, and con- please come to a show. Yeah, I do yeah. shows at the Comedy Store, um, Ice House. All over LA. All awesome. Right. Well, and if you're out of LA, tell me, like, tweet at me, and I will try and go to your city. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, KP Hickerson. KP Hickerson. Sounds, Sounds really All right. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget, call your dad. Call your dad, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm.